0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of So Poetry. Uh, today's episode is going to be part of the very, very sporadically featured uh, So Poetry On miniseries. Um, where it, you know, it's just me talking about things that I'm interested in that are usually poetry adjacent, but sometimes aren't. Um, I've done episodes on video games, uh, specifically my experiences with Hyperlight Drifter and Shovel Knight. Um, I did two, I want to say not so long ago or not too long ago, but I feel like it was probably, uh, a lot, a lot further in the past than I'm remembering. Um, Anyway, I did two episodes on haiku—a uh, brief history of haiku, just kind of in general—and then a, a brief history of haiku um, in the largely the English-speaking West. Um, uh, and today, um, I would like to talk about something that I feel like has come up, has definitely come up in episodes or previous episodes to a degree, although I haven't, I don't think I've ever spent a a full episode talking specifically about this. Um, But I would like to talk today about music. Um, Before I get into that, um, I'm currently in my new apartment. Uh, This is the first podcast that I've recorded in my new apartment, and it has a couple of weird quirks. Um, I don't know if you just heard a weird sort of whirring up, but that is my air conditioner. Uh, And since it is currently in the 90s in Baltimore, It will probably be the air conditioner will probably be coming on throughout the episode Um, so i apologize for that i can't really do anything about it it sounds like a when it starts up it sounds like a very small cute robot whirring to life and then when it kicks off it sounds like that in reverse Uh, but anyway um i'm i've been sitting on this episode for about a week sitting on recording this episode for about a week um because when i got the idea to do this last weekend i wasn't really sure how i was going to format it um and i was i thought that i would just wait a week and see how things kind of came together in my head and you know uh it has only congealed maybe like 70 percent or so but at the time of this recording I I, I, know, I know what format I want. I just I'm not sure if it's gonna work. Um, I, so I'm I, I think that the the episode itself is going to be weird to an extent, um, but will be broken up into sort of like general talking about music in my relationship with it um, and uh, how I see my... Music writing and creation in conjunction and relationship with my uh, poetic writing and creation, um, and then I don't know if that's going to take uh, like half of the episode, quarter of the episode, whatever. But whatever the the, the remaining time um, that I choose to give this episode, uh, I would like to spend talking about um, a handful. And I have a fair amount written down, and I'm, I'm wondering, I think I might have to call a little bit from this list, but I'd like to talk about um, some of my long-standing favorite bands and musicians and some of the newer ones that I've, I've, really, been, um, I've really been enjoying and I've been gravitating towards listening to. Um, as many of you know, I work at a cabinet shop, um, and there's lots of very loud uh, machinery happening around. In the shop Um, so a lot of the time if I'm sanding or if I'm milling sides of cabinets (coughs) and um, in lieu of wearing uh, earplugs I will um, shove my earbuds as far as I can get them into my ear to act as sort of like noise canceling they're not as good as actual earplugs but um, they kind of do in a pinch but I do that so that I can listen to stuff. You know, if I'm going to be on the, the table saw for like an hour or two, um, it's it beats just sort of hanging out there and not having a whole lot else to do. Um, so I, I tend to listen to music a lot in the shop. Um, and oh, I guess this, is a, this would be a good enough transition. Um, music for me um, is sort of my, my go-to... Um, I don't want to say space filler, but if I'm, if I'm out and about doing something, if I'm exercising or if I'm in the shop and I just, I, like I'm sanding and I'm, I know that I will be sanding for like three hours, um, it's a good way for me to, to sort of maintain like mental alertness um, and also just sort of like, you know, I have three hours that I will be spending uh, captive to a particular action and I can't really do anything else and because the sander's on I can't really talk to people and I have my mask on and it's just there's there's not a whole lot else to do uh, aside from just standing there and sanding so I use those opportunities to listen to music uh, mo- a lot of times to, to pass the time but also to just like I have um, the last time I checked I have over I think a month's worth of music in my iTunes um, so there are lots of bands that I you know, like I've, I've gotten their stuff and I've downloaded it and I put it into iTunes and I will listen to for a while and then kind of move on. Um, so it's a good way for me to like reconnect to things or if there's like a style of music or there's a band or a grouping of bands that I'm really, really jonesing on, um, and grooving to that, you know, I can just plug those in and I just, you know, I have three hours that I can just send that I can spend, uh, being absorbed or spent, uh, surrounding myself and, like, absorbing music, um, and I think I've, have mentioned this on the podcast before, but when I was younger, um, aside from writing very, very, very shitty song lyrics to, uh, very, very shitty songs, when I was in maybe, like, fifth or sixth grade, um, my first creative endeavor was music, um, I took banjo lessons for about a year or so Um, and my brother had been playing guitar for a little bit um, and he had he was in a band with some of his um, friends from grade school and I don't remember if I felt left out or if after like the banjo lessons sort of fell apart um, with my instructor because he was going through some stuff um, and just didn't didn't have the ability to to do like a weekly lesson anymore um, i I don't I honestly don't remember if if I was just feeling jealous or left out that Matthew was doing my brother Matthew was doing stuff with his band or um, like I was still itching to do music um, but I wound up picking up bass um, because i I mean Part of part of that decision was that I knew a lot of people when I was in grade school and the beginning of high school that uh, played guitar, and I was like, I don't, I don't really want to do that. And you know, I was th- looking of a way to potentially distinguish myself. Um, so I picked up bass and I took bass lessons for, uh, geez, maybe like three or four years. Um, so I have gone through uh i guess more or less like theory one maybe like three or four times um, so i have a very very solid foundation of music um to wit uh when i uh graduated from high school and was thinking about colleges um my brother was going to uh uno which is the new orleans university of new orleans um in like i guess like uptown new orleans uh, whatever it's by the lake um and uh he was going there for music and at the time matthew and i were in a band together and we were we were playing stuff um you know like we were writing just tons and tons of music and i wanted to continue with that and i wanted to um i was v- i was v- viewing college and being a music major as a way to like build up my chops the problem was um i learned uh acoustic bass i mean um, uh, sorry I I started learning on acoustic electric bass, but my I primarily played like electric bass. Um but I did not like jazz or at least I'm not that I didn't like jazz. I didn't like um how bass is typically utilized in jazz. Um it's uh, most of the most of the stuff that I was listening to at the time Um, The bass was largely regulated to uh, walking and a walking bass line is um, you have the the chords and like the chord changes for the song and your job is to sort of string uh, quarter notes, sometimes eighth notes, but it's usually like you're playing kind of on the beat Um, string together uh notes through those chords that sort of like all connect to each other and you know like you're not necessarily playing the chords and you're not really playing arpeggios but you're sort of like picking and choosing from the notes that comprise the chord um and just kind of moving th- just moving through them and um because of that bass is usually regulated as the like the timekeeper in jazz um, by and large, it's like the the drums. I think set the tempo and kind of set the beat. But the bass is really like it's the timekeeper and it's the the um, I guess like oral anchor or the the sonic anchor to uh, to give the the foundation to allow the other members of jazz groups um, and the other musicians the freedom to improvise. So that you kind of always know where you are in the song because you're always sort of have you know like one ear or part of your hearing tuned to where the bass is at the time um, and if you know that the bassist is doing like pretty standard quarter notes then you can kind of like break up the the measures and the sections of the song and know that if you have like a I don't know like a eight if you have eight bars to solo you can kind of be in tuned with that to what the bassist is playing so um, my my learning of bass was uh, heavily classical like classical music orchestral music theory based um there's a a bass book called uh which works you through essentially the entire neck and you learn all of the different um there's a bunch of different positions on the on the the bass neck um and you learn all of the uh all of the scales that you can play in in each position um but the instrument that I was playing on is, is not all the time because there there are there's a fair amount of upright bass in jazz, but it's more geared towards jazz. Um but like I said, I really didn't like walking. It's it's sort of like very, very low key uh improv the entire time that you're playing a song, and I'm not a fan of that. Um the stuff that I was doing with my brother um was much more like riff um and melody based Uh, so when I went to UNO at the time uh, towards the end of my I guess my one year there uh, they kind of opened things up a little bit but it was really the music program was essentially broken out into jazz and classical music and I would have loved to have done the classical stuff and continued with that but I didn't have the background with the upright bass and and like being able to be in ensembles I think would have been difficult and I, I had the background and I could have done what the the jazz section of the program wanted, but I was not interested in, in playing and learning that type of music, so I felt kind of stuck. Um, and over the, the the year that I was there, uh, I felt like the university itself was just it was sort of like sucking the, all the creativity out of me and I don't I don't know if it was the university or my like the circumstances or just the shift from like high school and having a very tight grip tight knit group of friends to college in which it's like it's all big and it's all weird and I didn't know where I fit anymore and it's you know it's like all the all of the the time and energy that I spent in high school sort of assembling my my tribe or my group of people um, to then be placed in another position where you have to do that again Um, so it could have been a combination of a bunch of stuff but at the end of that year I I realized that I could not continue going to UNO um, just because it, it would have been, I think that it would have wrecked me creatively. Uh, so after my freshman year of college is when I decided to jump ship to writing, um, because at the time it was really the only other thing that, that held my interest and was really the only other thing that I felt like I was even had the potential to be good enough at to make it a... Um, to make it worthwhile to spend the amount of time that I would be spending studying all of that uh... so that was that was the shift um, And like when I was when I went to I transferred schools and while I was at uh... the University of Louisiana in Lafayette um, I continued to play music for quite a while like I would come up with songs and I'd post them on Facebook and you know do stuff and Matthew and I would still um, when I'd go home on the weekends we would still like jam and come up with stuff um but there was a point uh it may have been at the beginning of i think it was may have been right around the end of um of undergrad the beginning of grad school that i realized that i i recognize a tendency in myself that when if there's something that i'm interested in that requires a level of uh, i guess dedication or perseverance or adherence to that is Above and beyond my sort of natural affinity and natural skill for whatever that thing is, I tend to jump ship to something else or my interest in it sort of like peters out um, and I recognized that I was doing that with writing that like i was I was coming to a point where I needed to really focus on my writing and really needed to kind of shift some things around in in my in that in that creative process that was requiring uh, a lot more work that I was used to. Uh, so a lot of times, instead of doing that, I would just shift to music and sort of noodle around with that. Um, so there were, it was maybe a year or two that I made a very conscious decision that the music needed to sort of just, like I needed to put that on hold for a while. Um, so I could focus on my poetry and I could really develop it. because um, I, th- I think in part it was that with music, because I had been playing it for Longer and I'd had more i guess a more initial experience with with like writing music and composing songs that I'd kind of already found my i guess my voice with my my bass playing and my compositional style it has since changed not dramatically, but it has gone through some changes um, but at the at the, the same time my writing voice was very um, was very much not there um, and I realized that there was I just I needed to to give some dedication and some time to my writing, um, and I did that for a while. And I I got to the I got to a point where I was um, proud, maybe maybe not as uh, not all the way too proud, but I I got to a point that I was like I recognized that I that I had arrived or that my my poetic Style or process had had more or less um, worked itself out into something that felt authentic and true to me. And around that time, the music started coming back, and it came back with with sort of a vengeance. Um, and since then, I feel like my interests and my attention have has been kind of split between music and and poetry, um, because I I can kind of clearly see the, the two paths that i could take and i it feels like i would have to again sort of like maybe not give up on but at least cool down the focus on on one to to really do the other um and also since then i've been trying relatively unsuccessfully to to blend my my poetry and my my music in a, in a way that feels uh not contrived and just feels like the way that it needs to meld together. And I've uh, been so far unsuccessful with that. Um, And I think... I have some ideas as to the reason why, and I have some ideas of how I could potentially do that. But um, all all of that, I guess, to lead up now to kind of my relationship with music on a more internal scheme um and how that relates to poetry so music for me um is the primary way that i emote um or stated another way um when i listen to music i experiencing i experience it on a largely and almost purely emotional way um Similar to how I experience uh, some abstract expressionist paintings, um, like Rothko. Rothko to me, there are some bands, and one of which I will be mentioning in a little bit. Um, but there are some bands that I listen to, and like I listen to their songs, or I listen to their albums. And my experience of sitting there or running or doing whatever it is that I'm doing while I'm listening to the music is the same experiences that I've had seeing Rothko paintings in real life. Um, that it's it's a creation of or an exploration of some sort of emotional landscape um, which if you've listened to my podcast before you know that I'm all about emotional landscapes um, and it I, I connect to music um, like I said in a way that, that is almost entirely emotional um, so a lot of times if I'm Experiencing some sort of emotion or some sort of state of of being or state of heart or whatever it is you want to call it, um, more often than not, I will try to find a song or a group of songs or a band or whatever that has the same sort of emotional resonance to whatever it is that I'm feeling, um, in an attempt to create some sort of like suitable space, a suitable emotional space out that's exists externally for me that I can allow whatever it is that I'm feeling to kind of flow into. So it's not just banging around inside of me. Um, and I, I do this a lot more with, um, either, well, I don't I guess I can't say that because I've, I've done this a lot with, um, if I'm like depressed or sad, or if I'm dealing with grief, um, or, um, I mean, that's that's that was the kind of the first way the ways that this happened or that I discovered this was that I would be feeling something really shitty um, or particularly heavy or particularly deep, um, and there would be a song or something that I had heard before that when I listened to it I could tell that there was some sort of like emotional tag, well, I guess maybe even an emotional hashtag that it that it had. So when I would feel these things, I would seek out those songs um, to kind of allow the stuff to just to to have an avenue that it could it, that I could allow it to, to go. Um, I, has since, I have since also done this with things that make me feel really really good. Um, there are a handful of songs um, from like my top inconsistent favorite bands that. Um, that i'm going to mention and to hopefully play um that that do this that uh, one in particular um just because i i feel like it's worth mentioning now um the asian kung fu generation song uh, atarashi sekai is like when i think of the quintessential fall day and all of the emotion that is connected with that and like the or i guess the the quintessential fall afternoon it's like you just get you just get done with school or you get done with work and it's still light and it's like breezy and the sun's it's like hanging up in the sky but it's low and it's like the the light is vibrant but it's soft and it's inviting and it like the, the it feels like the world was just opening up to you or that the, the possibilities or whatever the day has in store it's still there like there's still a couple of bites of it that you can take um that's what that song makes me feel and whenever I... that There's, I guess, that... I mean, maybe hopeful. I guess hopeful is a, a pretty good emotional through line for that song. Um, and whenever I start feeling like that, um, or, you know, it's like I'm, I'm trying to draw those feelings out of me, I'll put on that song, and it w- usually gets me into that state of, like, fuck yeah, let's go do it. Or whatever. You know, whatever it, it happens to be. Um, so... With um, most of the most of the bands or the musicians or the the types of music and the songs that I that I actively seek out are are things that um, like actively and profoundly make me feel things or make me feel things actively and, and deeply or profoundly, um, which has led to a lot of um, I guess like contemporary pop stuff. Um, lots of, like, lots of dance music that doesn't really do anything for me. Um, I, I recognize what it is attempting to do, and I recognize that it does it very well. Um, it seems to me, and I could be off base, but it seems to me that lots of contemporary pop stuff and dance music, the point of it is to make people move. Um, it makes it, to get them to dance, and that's the way, you know, that they experience in, um the ways that they get into the music is by their physical activity um but because of that it usually those songs are usually kind of in my at least for me they are relatively um boring insofar as that they're not very musically intricate you know it's like it's a steady beat throughout the entire thing the chords aren't weird there's not like any weird sort of syncopation or poly- or polyrhythms because the point of it is to make people dance and you need sort of that state. It's like the walking base. You need that sort of stable foundation to build this sonic experience off of. Um, but because of that, it, it doesn't really make me feel anything. And because the point of it is to make you physically move and not necessarily internally move, that doesn't register for me a whole lot. Um, there's, I mean, I could also get into um, like lyrical content and, you know, like, again that that's not really like the point of the songs isn't to be very like a deep introspection or reflection upon something happening in the world or something happening in your life the point of it is to be like a a beat that you know the the all, all of the elements of the song work together to get you out on the dance floor and moving um so there's there are large swaths of music that I can appreciate on, a, on an objective level, but don't do anything for me um, internally. Um, I recently drove up to Toronto for a book launch. Um, and on the way there, up there, uh, we got, oh, I was driving with a friend and we were maybe like five or 10 miles into uh, Pennsylvania and the uh, NPR station, the local NPR station for Baltimore, we were getting sort of to the, like, the outer limits of its, of its broadcasting range. And then it, swooped, it swapped over to uh, contemporary Christian music, you know, like lots of worship songs and just in general, like contemporary Christian kind of rock and folk and whatever it is that, that, they're, that they're doing. Um, and when I was younger, uh, that music meant a whole lot to me Um, and I think I like it maybe I not forced it but because of the emotional content and the fact that it was about like God and you know like relationships to to that deity and you know like within that belief system that I I very strongly um, believed in and adhered to I think that the sort of like the emotional because of that it was it was very much tied to the strong emotions that i had to that i felt very strong emotions to that style of music and since i'm no longer a christian and i've been out of like that belief system and lifestyle for almost a decade hearing it now it was interesting hearing it now it's like it does nothing for me anymore and i i think that it's similar to um like a uh, lots of contemporary like the the contemporary dance and pop music that I, I was mentioning that like the the crux of the music and the point of it is is to get you to to experience or to share this sort of like worshipfulness uh, or to draw heavily on like an already pre-existing relationship that you have to this thing so it feels like a lots of those songs do a sort of like shorthand almost like nostalgia um or um uh, what's the what's the actual word? Not it's um. Why can I not it begins with an S. Whatever, it'll probably come to me in another like ten or fifteen minutes. Um, but the short of the sort of like shorthand, um, emotional I guess like emotional shortcut that doesn't actually do any of the work that it that's required to make you feel a, a legitimate thing. Um. So anyway, um, I feel like I also have a tendency, and this is a, a potential small tangent. Um, this has been totally unproven, but it's just I I feel like I have a, the ability to like, pick up on when musicians are really putting themselves into their music. Like when they really believe in what they're playing or they're playing what they love. Because um, there are lots of bands and lots of people and musicians that I've heard that like, they are... Objectively, or objectively, um, good musicians, but I can't feel them at all in their music. Um, and I've seen some writing and I've seen some, some visual art like this too, but it feels like there's some sort of, like, they're just, they're going through the motions. And there are other bands that could be playing, you know, like if you have two bands that play essentially the same type of music, and one is a band that is just kind of going through the motions, and one is a band that really loves playing that, that type of music, I have a pretty good track record, at least for me personally, you know, there's no proof that I have that how I'm coming down on these decisions is true or not, but I feel like I have a pretty good track record of finding the band that's like, oh, these guys, these guys are actually doing what they love and it's not, you know, for whatever reason, a band that's just, that's like playing that that type of music. Um, Sentimental. That's the word. I feel like con- contemporary Christian bands rely a lot of on the sort of sentimentality, or the same tactics that cinnamon- sentimentality uses, but anyway. Um, so um, music for me, like I've said, is a very emotional experience. Like that's, that's kind of the way that I get into it, that's the way that it sits with me. Um, like when I listen to music, it's not like colors. It's I, I don't see colors in my head. I don't see images. Sometimes I'll get like movie ideas or like potential sound or um, not soundtracks, um, music videos, that sort of thing. Occasionally, not all the time. Um, most of the time, it's just like there's nothing really actively going on in my head. I just sort of feel it in my chest, and it you know it's like there's there's a wherever, wherever the emotional center or the emotional processing center for me is that's the thing that's that's activated when i listen to a lot of the music that i listen to or i guess i probably all of the music that i listen to um so in thinking about that and in the sort of emotion um and how music is is that i process emotion through music um and then thinking about um how i write and how i process emotion through poetry um I see it as sort of like a, a potential three path, maybe. Um, so let's say I've I have an experience that makes me feel something. It doesn't matter what, but I have an experience. It makes me feel something. With poetry, um, I recognize that the thing that I feel. It, largely exists in some space that is beyond the reach of words, um, that we, we don't have an, an accurate enough vocabulary, or we don't, like, there, there are things that are, that we experience that cannot be, like, verbal, verbally or linguistically expressed. So in those instances, um, I will give the sort of the, the trappings of the experience and lay that out in the hopes that whoever is reading my poem will be led to uh, or will be have an emotional experience, have an emotion that pings in them, that is resonant with whatever it was that I felt after having the experience, Um, which in my mind is largely how haiku work. That you know, it's like you have, you have an experience, you feel a thing, you recognize that you you can't express the thing that you felt so instead you just give the reader or you craft the the experience you distill it down into its essence um and then you offer it to the reader to allow them to to fill in kind of their own experience around that or fill in the rest of the world in the hopes that after that something resonates in them that is similar or at least some sort of rhyme or some sort of on the same frequency of the thing that that you felt so, poetry for me is, like, if you can break it down between, like, experience, and then there's a line, and then the feeling, poetry for me is very much the experience. It's the, it's the thing that, I, that happened to me before I felt whatever it is that I felt. Music, on the other hand, is pretty much purely the thing that I felt. Um, for whatever reason for me, um, it is much, much easier to essentially transpose the things that I feel into music regardless of what it is that I feel I can I can pretty much one-to-one correlate that with a song or with some sort of composition Um, in my mind it works it's more that emotions can be transposed into song it's like it can be or transmuted it can be directly turned into this thing or the, the form or the substance of it can be directly modified to be music whereas it with poetry or with language emotions for me they go through translation um, and I mean for those readers out there that have read things in translation you know that there's always something that's missing like there's there's some there's some part there's some indeterminate or indefinable aspect of whatever it is that you're reading that is lost when it shifts from the language that it was written in into the language of, that you're reading it in um, and I think because of that um, I think that it would be almost maddening for me. Because I would like, I would want to get as close as I possibly could to the the emotion that I had, and I know that that is almost impossible. So I think that that's why the path that I that I take with with my poetry is that, that I like I'm just, I'll give you to the best of my abilities the thing that happened to me or the thing that I experienced. So that it can kick off the same, the same emotion. So it's like a roundabout way of, of emotional exchange versus music, which I can, like, I, can directly, I can put whatever it is that I'm feeling directly into a song and know for sure that you're going to feel the exact same thing that I did. Um, I think, for me, haiku exists in some weird space between them. Because um, aside from potential like language poetry, or I guess more abstract uh linguistic poetry, I feel like haiku at least for me i don 't know if this is the same way that i, I don 't know if this is the same for everyone, but I feel like um, haiku get about as close as you can get to the actual transfer of an emotion in language without actually like hitting on the emotion it's like you're it's it'd be like ooh, this is a good example, so if you have a um Okay, let's say you have a piece of paper and you cut a circle out of it um, or a square or whatever. You cut a shape out of the very center of, 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 the, of the paper so that you're left with like a square, like a small square on one side and then a piece of paper that has a square shaped cutout out of it. For me, if we're, if we're keeping with this, this analogy, the feeling would be the thing that is cut out, like the small square that is the actual piece of paper that you cut out. Haiku for me operate real similar to the piece of paper that the square was cut out of. So you have the silhouette, you have the sort of like vacancy of the feeling, but you have a really, really good sense of what needs to be in that space. So it's almost like, I don't know, like a definition by negative or the definition by like the negative space maybe, I don't know. So instead of the thing, you have the place that the thing fits into. so, like Haiku like can get there to me, I think, um, more so than any other poetry that I've read, and it again, it might just be a, a personal thing for me that that Haiku worked to get there, and for other people you know like sonnets could do that, or sonnets by a particular poet could do that um, so because of that, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, um, it's been really difficult for me to figure out a way to get my poetry and my music commingled or coalesced with each other because while I recognize that they are they are attempting to do the same thing they take very very different pathways to do it and I'm not sure if there's a way that I that they can be integrated into each other as aside from you know like doing a song poetry cycle or like my own sort of acrastic ecrastic, uh, art in which I write a poem about something and then I make a song that is whatever it is that I feel because of the poem and then I listen to the song and I write whatever it is that I am, whatever words are translated out for my feelings of the song and just kind of keep that going but I feel like I don't know if that would actually develop in, into anything, or if that would just be sort of a long-form meditation. Because if it's if it's all sort of around the same, um, the same experience, or the or the same feeling, that I feel like it wouldn't vary all that much. Um, I've thought about with readings, um, just because of the the I'm I'm largely dissatisfied with kind of how readings are, are conducted contemporarily. Um, So I thought about, you know, like printing out um, a small little pamphlet of whatever it was that I was thinking of reading that night and then just distributing them to whoever is in attendance of the reading and during my time to read, let people read from the little packet that I assembled and then come up with some sort of music that, you know, that could fill the space or sort of uh, insulate people into their their own little pockets of, of reading. Um, which I've not done yet. Um, almost, primarily because I haven't done a whole lot of readings, um, recently, but that doesn't like that to me doesn't necessarily feel like it's, it's, I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm sort of bridging a gap somewhere, but it's not, I'm not really doing anything to, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not actually like putting my music in my my poetry together it's there's i'm or like i'm not integrating them i'm really doing that sort of reading feels to me more to me like i'm just sort of putting them on a shelf next to each other but i'm not like i haven't really fully intertwined their beings um so i i don't know um if any listeners out there have any ideas or if there are any other um poet musicians that are out there um or poets that work with musicians or vice versa um, and you have ideas, please let me know. Um, or if there are other poet musicians out there um, that want to talk about this, like, send me an email. Because um, it's... Um, there. Are, my next guest, um, fuck, probably like next week, um, is a poet musician. Um, so there are, like, I will definitely be talking to him about this, but um, I... I would like to pick other poet musicians' brains about like how they, like how they incorporate them both, or like how they allow the 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 two uh, two artistic mediums to coexist within themselves, because um, I know other poet musicians, um, musician poets, whatever might not experience poetry and music the same way that I do, so I don't know if it's just because of the way that I, that I view poetry and music and how I relate to them in a, a primarily emotional way, um, like, that might be the thing that prevents me. And if, if there was another way that I related to them, then there would be other ways that I can, I could stick them together and make them work. Um, but. Yeah, so that's that's essentially kind of where where I stand with music and um, uh, all of that. Um, it's weird that I feel like I feel like I can be funnier, at least in the naming of my songs um, or the titling of my songs, and I have a little more freedom to be just sort of like to just kind of do whatever than I than I do with poetry. And I'm not sure if it's a that when I write. Poetry, there are very specific things that I that I want to convey, or if I only get the impetus to write poetry when I'm processing and dealing, or you know, like wanting to talk about like only certain, there are only certain groupings of things that kick off the ideas for poetry, or I guess the the reasons or the impetus for poetry for me. Whereas with music, it's a it's a much broader brush that I can paint with. Um, because there's a there's a song that I did. Um, well, there's an album that I did recently called. Uh, I think it's June second, two thousand seventeen. Um, let me go to my SoundCloud and see if that's the case. Um, yes, June second, two thousand seventeen. Um, and it has uh, so it's like it's like a mini EP, I guess, or double. Like I have I get a lots of song ideas as doubles um and this is one of the first doubles that i was i actually put together um so the two songs on it are not a cloud in the sky and oop there's one because one day when i was at the shop i went outside um it was i mean it was on june 22 or june 2nd um i went outside and was looking at the sky and i was like wow there's not a cloud in the sky and then i turned my head uh a minute amount and saw one and i was like oh there's one um but the the first track, not a cloud in the sky, is one of the longest ones that I've I've written. I want to say it's it clocks in at like nine minutes or so, um, and is a um, yeah just a little over nine minutes, and it's a like very repetitive uh, ambient song. Um, and then oop, there's one is a it's just a weird experimental thing that I did. Um, there is a what I found out later, um, like I, so I, I made these both in Reason, which is a, a music program um, that has like digital versions of rack mount equipment. So there's lots of synths and like uh, samplers and stuff. Um, but there is a in one of the one of the instruments, instrument patches, whatever. There is a thing that sounded that I there's a, like a sound or like a sound effect or whatever that I put as a sort of a a background or underlying tone throughout the song and i realized like a day after i did it that it was it sounded like a lawnmower because the song made me think of like sitting like hanging out in a backyard or hanging out you know with like on a porch with you with the windows open like a covered porch with the windows open because there's bird songs in it and then there's a like the lawnmower that sound that keeps going back and forth um and then i messed with uh some like delay and some other effects for some pieces of, of music that sound, hopefully sound like they're kind of drifting in and then drifting out. And then, you know, like they come back and we drift away. And, um, then at the very end, the song changes radically and it turns into, um, like, like a kid's recital sort of sounding like a real simple melody. Um, it's like a, I think it's like a piano and a flute, um, and like, I so on my SoundCloud, that song has no plays, um, and, which is, is interesting. So uh, Not a Cloud in the Sky has 12 plays, and Oop, There's One has nothing. Uh, so I don't know if anyone has actually listened to the song on my SoundCloud. But like the end of it makes me laugh. Every single time that I hear it or that I think about it, it just it makes me chuckle. Just because it's this weird little simple thing that, like, I got the idea for the melody of, and then I, I created it, and I was like, "This sounds like, like a bunch of kids in a in a music class just coming up with something," and that I, that makes me smile every time that I think about it, and it's that sort of, I guess, like lightness and upness um, is not something that I I typically get into with my poetry. Um, so I I don't know. I don't like I said I'm not really entirely sure why that's the case, but that's the case. Um So it I don't know. I I think um I don't know. It's, it's music's weird. It's it's one of the like the few something that I thought maybe not a significant amount about, but has has come to mind more often than not um is the fact that music is one of the weirdly almost pseudo-universal languages that humans have. That if you have, like, if you have a musician, a classically trained musician from, I don't know, like, London, and then you have, like, an Aboriginal, like, story weaver from somewhere in in Australia, um, or you know, like, a native, uh, native. Person from from the states or from Canada, you can stick them together and like put them someplace, and they can they would probably be able to come up with something musically together. Um, or let's say another example: you have um, like classic musicians from France, classical classical musicians music, uh, musicians from Japan, put them in a room together, give them a give them some sheet music. Like a Bach concerto or something, they can play together. They can they can communicate with each other. They can do something with each other, even though they can't speak the same language. Or even like jazz musicians, just take a bunch of jazz musicians together in a room. They may not speak none of them. None of whom speak the same language. You put a jazz standard in front of them, or just you know like give them some chords. I mean, maybe not all, depending upon how their, how their chemistry is as a as an improvisational group or like vamping with each other. But like. They can do it. They can communicate with each other in a, in a, in a way, um, which is an astounding thing for me when I think about it, that, that there is this, that we have that ability with, um, like in, in some way we can, we can talk to other people, even if we don't speak the same language, um, similar to how, you know, sometimes you can communicate if you don't speak the same language as someone else you can communicate sometimes through like gestures or like body language they're they're sort of like more or less just sort of generally understood things that that people do that like you can you can break through language barriers by doing them um which is just it's a really interesting thing for me to think about um but anyway um so that was sort of my um my relationship, my, my stance with music. Um, and now I'd like to pivot to talking about uh, some bands and musicians that I really like. Um, I have been listening to a lot of the Wonderful podcast uh, hosted by the, just for lack of a better word, wonderful uh, Griffin and Rachel uh, McElroy. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of the McElroy family products. Um, and Wonderful has been just, like, it is It is one of the best best and most uplifting things that i that i listen to um and on a fair number of episodes either rachel or griffin will bring like a band or a song or you know like something some sort of music that they've been really really digging lately um because the the podcast wonderful is itself just a a podcast to talk about things that they're enthusiastic about that they really like Um, so since I've been I've been listening to a lot about that and I I realize that like biting a little bit of the style of that um, I would like to talk about some bands that I'm I'm a big big fan of because um, I I don't know like I love well personally I love uh, finding new music I love sharing music with people um, I feel like if I if I get to know you um, or if we're friends or we're talking and I share music with you that you enjoy, or I I find something that I'm like I think that you would really like it, and you do. That makes me feel a a really a tighter sense of of connection with you for whatever reason. Um, maybe it's because it's like an emotional language, and if I can figure out where you where you're sitting emotionally, then I can I can connect that way. Because um, that seems to be the main way that I make friends with people. But um, so I'm always I'm always for sharing music with people. I'm always for finding out about stuff, um, and I don't I don't think that I listen to things that are necessarily like esoteric or super super underground, um, but I have a pretty wide and a pretty eclectic taste in music. Um, like I said, I have actually I'm gonna check because I'm curious now. Um, I have a total of. Um, Almost fourteen thousand five hundred uh, songs in my iTunes. Um, so it clocks in at just over a hundred gigabytes, and it totals forty-two point two days worth of music. Um, so I like I said, So there's a there's a ton of different shit. There are tons of different shit in there. Um, but uh, so I have one, two, three, four, five. I have like. I have five bands on my list, um, but I would like to also. I would, before I get to that, I would like to say that um, for those of you who listened to the podcast before, you know that I've I've often asked my guests, like who's in their pantheon of poets, like if they had to break it down, like ban- poets that have influenced them the most, poets that they keep coming back to, poets that have um, that have caused like massive shifts or changes in their in the writing, poets that they. Whose voices they find a level of like, resonance or connection with, um, and I think about I think in I think about the music that I listen to that I really enjoy kind of in a similar way that there is a pantheon sort of like in my head that there are a couple of bands up at the top that like kind of have become for lack of a better term my favorite just because they are the most consistent. I guess that might be a bit, a better way to, 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 for me to phrase it. That these are the bands that I enjoy and have enjoyed like consistently, or that if, if I'm looking to listen to something, I would, often, I would more often I'm more often in the mood to listen to them than I am other bands. Um, so I have like, I don't know, there are like maybe a couple of spots like way, way, way up at the top, so like like Zeus, Poseidon,, uh, Hades level of like you know big the like my big three people uh, and then there's you know various other tiers and it's it's not super super structured or rigid but there's lots of shifting that takes place with other bands like i i um the static age is a is a favorite band of mine um but it's not something or not a band that i listen to all the time like tegan and sarah similarly um you know like i'll, I'll have them on my ipod for like maybe a month month and a half um and I'll listen to them, you know, a fair amount in that month and month and a half. And then I'm like, okay, it's time to swamp them out and put somebody else on. But I've noticed that on in my iPod, there are some bands that, like, they, regardless of how many other people change, they tend to stay. Um, and the first, and I think the biggest uh, for me, would be Asian Kung Fu Generation. Um, I th- think that I first found out about them um, from... It was either it was either Bleach, Naruto, or the first Full Model Alchemist series. Because um, I I know that they did an intro for Naruto. I don't know if they did it for Bleach, but it was at the time that I was like just sort of beginning to get into to uh, anime and um like Overworld, there was a song that they did for Uh, a Bleach opening that kind of got me, you know, you know how you can fall into YouTube holes. Like I fell into one and I'm pretty sure that because it was, you know, like Japanese bands that did openings, opening songs for various animes, um, Asian Kung Fu Generation popped up on that. Um, but I know for sure that they did an opening for the, uh, first Fullmetal Alchemist series, um, and it was a song that i loved and when i heard it i was like these guys are doing something that hits real deep within me and i need to find everything that they've done and get it all and listen to it almost nonstop," stop um which i've done and i there are lots of reasons that i that i really really enjoy asian kung fu generation um but a couple of the big reasons are Um, they have been together for, uh, close to 20 years. Um, and it's been primarily, I think in the, in the very, very early stages of the band, they may have gone through a couple of changes, but for the vast majority of their career, it's been the same four guys. Um, and I think that you can really hear that in their music that they used to, they were on a pretty... Like pretty astounding pace of putting like a putting out a full length every year, which is just it's ridiculous, um, to be able to like to write that amount while you're also touring and doing other things. Um, but like each of their albums that they put out, um, their first maybe like seven or eight or so sound very much like Asian Kung Fu Generation, and then after that there have been a couple of like experimental sounds or some changes that. Um, I guess like variations of their sound, but they still let the core sound like if you hear an Asian Kung Fu Generation song, you know it's them, regardless of whatever it is that they're doing. You, it just there's something about their sound that they, um, that's just it's just magical. Um, and uh, I think it was in 2016, uh, in instead of like you know how some bands will like re-release an album that's been remastered or whatever uh i don't know if this is part of their decision or not for this but uh asian kung for generation re-released i think their third or fourth album um it's solfa and instead of re-releasing the original that was remastered they just re-recorded it like completely and like in the the first couple of albums um the lead guitarist is on one side and the rhythm guitarist is on the other and after the first couple of albums they switch sides and they've been consistently switched sides um you know like since but on the the re-recording of this album they're back to their original sides um and the songs sound like like just as tight just as good they sound just as amazing but somehow like more mature like you can hear the ma- the maturity in the, the years that have passed not in a bad way just in, in like it's it just it sounds more grown up I guess um but uh there is an album of theirs um called uh World 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 which I believe is their sixth album um that the entire album for me feels like fall like whenever whenever the the weather changes and it feels like fall for the first time i will I will binge that album until I'm ready to listen to something else um, it is it is one of the like I don't know it it among more so than any other album, any other album that they've written, it resonates with me the most and I, I think that I've listened to it probably the most like i've listened to those songs on that album more than i've listened to the rest of their songs probably combined um and the song that i mentioned earlier in the podcast uh atarashi sekai is the last uh track on that album and it feels like it's the sort of like if the album itself is the distillation of fall the uh atarashi sekai is itself like a distillation of the album Um, it's, it's just, it's fantastic. And for the, um, for the, my top bands, um, I'm going to, I think I'm just going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to import or like put in the, uh, the songs of theirs in, in the episode. Um, maybe not all of them, but, um, just because like I, I love them and I, I like to share the song and, you know, instead of having people have to go hunt and find the stuff, you can just, you can just hear it. Um, So here is, in its entirety, uh, Atarashi Sekai. About it, other than just I love it, it's just it's a fantastic song. Um, I actually, uh, in undergrad, uh, I took an independent study of uh, music videos, and uh, that song I have a very clear idea of what there is a music video which I love, which I will post in the description, um, but there is. Um, there was an idea that I had, like a story that I had for it. That whenever I whenever I listen to the song, I get a weird sort of pastiche of the view or the music video that I want to write, and plus the music video that they have. Um, the other song of theirs that I would like to play um, is a song off of their uh, I think eleventh twelfth album uh, called "Machine Guns to Keiyoshi. Yoshi." Um, this was released in 2012. Um, and it's a, it's a weird sort of like, there's, there's brightness to it, but at its core, it feels like there's, there's some like emotional heft and some like density to it. Um, there are lots of songs that give me the sort of like asthma tingles, um, some of them will do it consistently. Others will be like the first time that I hear it. And then every so often after that, I think that for those songs, I think it's that I, I need to be in like a particular state of mind or mood or state of being or whatever. But, um, the machine guns to K never ceases, never fails to, to give me the, the asthma tingles, um, which for me, I feel like is a, uh, I don't know. They're, like when I when their song does that for me and does it consistently, it feels like it's almost like when I get deja vu. Sometimes it feels like a, a sort of like a confirmation that I'm on a path that I need to be on. And when I when I get the asthma tingles for certain songs consistently, it feels like that's a song that I need to like keep in my personal arsenal. Um, so here is this one. Okay, moving on. Um, the next band that has been a consistent a favorite of mine since I found out about them. And I, when I was making this list, I was trying to think of like how I, how I discovered these bands. Um, and I don't remember how I discovered Toe, which is a Japanese, I guess they're like math rock. Um, they're, they're instrumental kind of heavily jazzed influence. And I guess you would call them math rock. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I've been listening to lately that it kind of falls under that category. Um, I think that there might be a better genre for it maybe, but I'm not sure what it is. Um, there is a subreddit on uh, Reddit called uh, Twinkle Daddies that a lot of these bands, like the kind of post-rocky, twinkly sounding stuff, um, like lots of tapping on the on the fretboard and stuff, uh, you can find them in that subreddit um so if there's anybody listening out there that wants to find out more about bands like this and there are are like three more that i'm going to mention in a little bit um check them out it's that subreddit has has led to a lot of really really fantastic music um but anyway uh toe like i said is, is a japanese band um lots of the the bands that i've really really been digging on are japan either japanese or asian um there's there are lots of chinese bands that i've been really loving um there's a malaysian band um oh, i think there's an indonesian one too um but anyway um so toe is i don't know like there's there's something about their music that um Like really makes me smile, Um, and which is a not not to spin off in tangents, but um, the sort of like I don't think that I have enough or whatever my emotional equilibrium is, um, and whatever my energy output is. Like there's only so like so much I can muster in the direction of like the kind of up energy expenditure emotions um but toe is a band that never really ceases to put me sort of in like a good mood or maybe like peaceful or content or contemplative like it it's it's, there's a stillness that they that they grant me um and the um the first song that i want to play by them is tremolo delay uh which I, i feel like If if you're new to Toe, I feel like this would be a just a good sort of like uh, example of just kind of what they're about. So, here's Tremolo Delay. the next song by them that I would like to play is uh, Two Moons, which is off of their uh, For Long Tomorrow album, which was released in 2009. Um, and the uh, tremolo delay is off of uh, the book about my ideal plot on a vague anxiety, uh, which was released in 2005. Um, so Two Moons for me, um, it's a, it's a simpler song. I feel, or maybe not simpler, but it, it feels like it's it's not as like grown up in a way that uh, "Trimmable Delight" is. It feels like there's there's more uh, I don't know, maybe like childlikeness in it, or maybe just more. It feels a song that contains more wonder. Um, but it also feels like there's a lot of um, space and a lot of so when I um, like wind moving through space is a is a really important image for me it's an image that i resonate with very deeply uh, and emotionally and um when i listen to two moons that's sort of the image that i get is like just like a a breeze like a fall for lack of a better uh, pleasant breeze um moving through uh space and sort of like that the energy that 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 brings with it um But yeah, so also, well, I'll mention this after the song. So here is Two Moons. So, if anyone is around uh, D.C. or Philly um, on the 7th or 8th, Toe is playing in D.C. on the 7th and is playing in Philly on the 8th. Um, I think. Let me me make sure that's the correct. Uh, Yes. Um, So, I can't remember the last time that they were in the States, but I don't think that they come here super often. Um, So, if you liked what you heard and you have the ability to go see them, I would highly highly recommend going to see them um, because I've seen like v- some videos of them playing live and they put on it looks like one hell of a show um, so moving on uh the next band I'd like to talk about is Rainer Maria um who if there' are any uh sort of like old school emo um and i, I there's a i think an entire other uh episode about uh emo and screamo music that i could probably do um but i will not i will not get into that now but if there are any old school emo aficionados out there listening to this episode um you have probably heard that Rana maria is back together they actually released an uh an album oh geez it was either this year or very very late last year um which is something that i never expected to uh to see happen um because um, they broke up a while ago. Um, and uh, it's very rare that bands that break up like get back together and then kind of keep going from where they left off. Uh, but Random and Maria is, is one of them. And I, I had the, the fortune to see them play live at the auto bar here in Baltimore uh, a handful of years ago. And it was like, it was something that I, I had been that I'd been wishing for for years and had given up hope on just because, like, when I got into them, they were kind of on their way to, to breaking up. Um, not that it was anything bad that caused them to break up. I think it was just like the timeline had progressed closer to the, the point that that was the decision that they were making. Um, so I would largely given up hope that I would ever get to see them live. And then they announced their reunion and they went on tour to to kind of uh, as a little, I guess, to drum up um, interest in the new album that they were coming out with, um, and I get to, you know, like in support of it, because um, I want to say they released maybe a single or something from it um, beforehand. But it was, it was absolutely phenomenal, and um, I think one of the the biggest things for me about Rainer Maria was that um, the the bass, and this might seem like a trivial thing to some people, but the bass. Um, in the mix, in the songs had a very prominent role. You can hear it very very clearly um, the bassist and uh, singer is um, oh god I'm probably going to butcher her last name it's Caitlin De Maris M-A-R-R-A-I-S um, but she is the, the bassist and the, the vocalist for the band um, and as a as a bassist Growing up, um, seeing a band that was not, nece- not necessarily fronted by a bassist, because I don't, I feel like there's no like front person of the band of that band in particular. But to see a bassist with a with such a prominent role and to hear to hear the bass have such a prominent um, like role in the recordings and the songs was was amazing to me. There was a time in oh i don't remember if it was undergrad or grad school that i there was a handful of songs that i I sat down and listened to and tried to like figure out the bass lines for and i recorded some of them put them on um youtube um but it was just like to just to to have that to, to be able to see like what bass can do in a band when it's not regulated to like timekeeper but it's it's like an integral and integrated part of music is was a really sort of eye opening and very um, really influential thing for me. Um, so uh, the song, one of the songs I'd like to play from for of Random Maria is "I'm Melting," which is off of their um, 1999 release uh, "Look Now, Look Again." It's actually the last song on the album. Um, it has it start. It has one of the coolest bass lines. Um, and it's a really, uh, it's a really interesting song because it, like, it starts out on a breakneck speed or, like, breakneck pace, and then towards the end, it shifts dramatically into, like, a a very different feel and a very different tempo, and that sort of closes out the song. Um, but it is a song that, um, if I'm, if I want to belt something out in the shower, I will belt the fuck out of this song. Um, so here is I'm Melting. And the other song by them that I would like to play is off of an EP that they put out right after *Look Now, Look Again*. Um, I believe also in 1999 called *Atlantic*. Um, the entire EP is fantastic. I think it's just three songs um, that feel like it's like as close as you can get, I think, to a concept album without it actually being a concept album. It's it's like all sonically and it just like emotionally feels like it's 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 all telling the same sort of emotional story um so if i if i could i don't this episode will probably be long enough without me doing this um i would li- i wish that i could play all three of the songs or all three of the tracks off the album but instead i'm just gonna pick the middle one uh, which is the eponymous track uh atlantic um and it th- this song feels similar to how like two moons operates for me with like the space and the sort of like The opening things up um this one feels like it is like sunset or evening times where it's the like as the as the day begins to quiet down and things begin to sort of like close up and that that sort of um i don't know i don't know if it's necessarily peace but the stillness or the sort of like i don't know just that state like those colors that that just presence of like the blue and the purples of evening as it as it begins to sort of settle down and and kind of tamp down um and or maybe i guess it's like if anyone has ever smacked a tuning fork or smacked something that had the resonance and you can you can hear it sort of like you can see it vibrate and you can hear it and then it slowly sort of just it, as it stops and it fades out and it, it gets back to being um no longer resonance that sort of moment like right after it stops and like there's still sort of a phantom echo of the sound that it it made in the air but it's not there anymore and it's that sort of that weird space that's sort of quiet that's not the, the quiet that is actually quiet but still holds the stuff that's not quiet that's what atlantic sounds or that's what atlantic feels like to me so um here is atlantic So the next band is probably the band that I've listened to the longest um, of of everyone that is on this list. They have been the most constant fixture of bands that I listen to that are up there with my like my favorites. Um, and it is Mates of State, um, which I actually got to see live at the Auto Bar in Baltimore a handful of years ago, which was again one of those moments of like I cannot believe that I get to see this band play somewhere that I am, um, because I've been listening to them for well over a decade and greatly enjoying the music that they've been playing for well over a decade. Um, But I heard, oh, uh, with Rainer Maria, um, I got tuned into them because of a sampler CD that I got from, I guess my brother got it from Polyvinyl because we ordered the Mates of State album. so Raina Maria and Mates of State were band, were label mates on the Polyvinyl uh, Records label. And um, on the sampler, there was like two or three songs, or I think there was a song and a live song from Raina Maria. And it was something that like that sampler had been in rotation for a while and I was listening to them and then there was one day that it just sort of clicked. That's like, oh shit, I really need to listen to these guys. Um, but it was roundaboutly because of Mates of State mates of, yeah mates of state um i can never remember if there's an s at the end of states but anyway um i was turned on to mates of state thanks to the local college radio station in new orleans uh wt well 91.5 um which like most i assume like most radio college radio stations had certain like I guess, like, cert- there were certain blocks, I think from, like, 10 to midnight on Friday or Saturday nights was, like, the metal show or, like, the heavy shit. Um, and there was, like, a cheese show on Sunday mornings. Um, I want to say there was maybe bluegrass at some point, too. But there were other blocks of, like, not necessarily, like, there may have been a ska show, or, but, you know, like, there there are some DJs that play a very particular, you know, style of music, and that's their show. There are other DJs that just kind of Play whatever, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, I want to say that it was, if this was 2013. Um, I was coming home, I think probably from either eighth grade or sem- like in ninth grade, um, coming home from school, and w- we're listening, I think it was Matthew, my mom, and me in the car, and we were listening to T. Well, and fucking Mates of State came on, and it was just like, um similar to but i not as grandiose as the as the scales falling away from paul's eyes but a similar a moment similar to that where there was just something that was like oh my god there is an entire world of music that i knew nothing about that this is the gateway for me to access um but i like i love them and the song that i want to play that i that i'm going to play for y'all um is i think one of my all-time favorite songs ever like of everything that i've listened to this is this would be way 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 up at the top um and the name of the song is everyone needs an editor from uh their album my solo project which was released back in 2003 um so these guys have also been a band for almost 20 years um but everyone needs an editor is just like whenever i hear it there is an energy that it has that it just fills me with it's just like i don't know like it makes me think of sort of like the endless summer afternoons when i was when i was younger um or even autumn i guess there's a lot of shit that i listen to a lot of good feelings and emotions that i have associated with autumn um but you know it's like you get you get home from school you don't you've gotten all of the homework that you need to do done and you just you have time you can go out you can like my brother and i used to go on walks and bike rides all the time so that's that's the sort of energy that that the song gives me is that sort of like like the almost like the prep montage for the thing that you're going to go do Um, so here is everyone needs an editor Next band on the, I guess the last band in my um, my most consistently listened to bands um, is Pelican, which um, was hugely hugely influential for my brother and me when we were doing music uh, because when we started out uh, we did instrumental stuff. I mean we started out and we we finished playing music together as pure, almost purely instrumental, um, and. At the time, we didn't really know of a whole lot of other bands that did that. Um, there was like Mogwai, we'd heard some stuff on TOL that didn't have any vocals. Um, there was a, oh, I want to say a local New Orleans band called Spickle. I think that they were, I want to say that they were instrumental, but I, I don't remember. Um, but anyway, their instrumental bands were kind of few and far between, but Pelican was, was one of the ones that when we heard, we sort of... an. In, initially and instantly you're like oh okay these guys are doing something real similar to what we're doing we need to pay attention to them um, and like with most bands that have been around for years their, their style has changed a bit They when they first started out it was a lot more droney post metal and now it's uh, not as droney it's, it's more melodic um, but um, yeah like Pelican again has been one of those bands that's just always stuck with me and there's there's very particular emotions that I feel when I listen to their albums um, specifically the their album uh, I think it's the fire in our throats will beckon the thaw uh, let me let me double check on that yeah the fire in our throats will, will beckon the thaw which was released in uh, 2005 um, which I think of their albums is probably my favorite of theirs um there are lots of really amazing songs on the album um march to the sea is great autumn to summer is fantastic there's an untitled song which i think it on the album is just titled with a dash i think um but the um Oh wow, okay, so the one the one that I wanted to play I thought was on that album, but I was mistaken It's on uh, City of Echoes, which is the next full link that they released in 2007 um, And the song that I would like to play is uh, Winds, Winds with Hands um, And it's just It feels like what it describes um, And as sort of a um, I feel like with instrumental music There's a lot that the, the album name and the individual song titles. There's a lot of work that that that, that those have to do because that's that's all of the linguistic elements that you get is just that um, plus the vi- any visuals that are in like the album artwork. But going into it, the only thing that you have to cue yourself off or to cue to be cued off as to what whatever what the song is going to be about is the title. Um, and there's a I think that with Pelican, because I would say like ninety, ninety-nine point nine percent of the music that I'm that I'm making now is instrumental, and I feel like it operates similarly with as far as like the titles work. That it's some sort of like emotional rhyme or emotional connection or emotional thread that, they're, that they're need, they need to be um, in sync with each other, um, or there needs to be some sort of like acknowledgement that whatever it is that you're listening to fits with what the title says that it is um and pelican does an absolutely amazing job at that um which i think is probably where i where i picked it up or where i kind of got the master class of um but anyway um here is winds with hands off of uh, city of echoes The next song from them that I like to play um, is off of their most recent full-length, called "Forever Becoming," which was released, uh, I think, like oh wow, two thousand thirteen, so like five years ago. (coughs) Um, So this was the first album that they released after the uh, one of the original guitarists decided to leave the band Um, for personal reasons. Not they, everyone like the band split with him amicably amicably um, I think he was just ready to kind of do some other stuff so this is this was the first album that they did that they did with a new guitarist um, and it it again it's like it feels like pelican but there is definitely a different energy to it which um, I don't know I, it's not like was not unwelcomed um, and it feels like more like a returning kind of to this, more, more or less, not, not their way back roots, but sort of like a, I don't know, like a, maybe a, like when you go get like a, uh, well, I don't know, maybe like an update of wardrobe. Like it feels like you know, they very consciously did some things on this album that they may not have done on, on earlier albums, um, but it's it's just it's fantastic. It's crazy fucking heavy, and it, it make, like is runs the gamut of for me of like lots of heavy emotional shit um and i was listening to this um when i was working through some um it's like i guess more or less depression um so there are very clear distinctions that i that i feel with with these songs and very certain like emotions that i attach to them um which are both like heavy and down but also sort of like uplifting or maybe more perseverance of like pushing through that um that you're just you're surrounded by all of this all of this stuff and and, like you're just you're you're just barreling through uh and the song off of this album that i would like to play i feel like is a pretty good summation or a pretty good uh, microcosm of that uh called the tundra uh so here it is So um, I, could, I could go on with other bands, like other consistent bands um, or consistent Pantheon bands. Uh, but uh, I would like to shift to um, more ban- bands that are more recently um, I've, I've, I've been gone to be really, really attached to. Um, I would like to start off with uh, Football, Etc., Uh, which is a, um, I guess the emo, um, the emo resurgence band. Um, kind of like, I don't know, in a vein similar to like American football, but a little more, uh, a little less spacey than American football. Um, oddly enough, name similarities, um, which is interesting. There's also a Chinese football, uh, which they are fantastic. Um, who named themselves after American football because they listened to them and loved them. Um, but I guess this is probably a good point to talk about emo. Um, so they uh, if, every, if anyone is interested in emo, um, do some research into it. Um, it's a lot more than like Fall Out Boy or Panic! at the Disco uh, bands. <coughs> it has its like It's Beginnings with Rites of Spring. Um, There's like a big DC movement, uh, I think in like the late 80s. Um, And then it developed into uh, like 90s with bands like American Football, um, Camber, Branston, Braid was a big one. Um, Who else? Uh, Who else would be good? Uh, Knapsack. um, Raina Maria would would definitely be on that list. Um so it's it's gone through some some changes Jimmy like early Jimmy Eat World um Pogo which have also recently gotten back together and are um on tour. Um so if you're in Baltimore on the September 18th, I believe that they're playing at the Metro Gallery, which I would highly recommend going to check out. Um Yeah, so like I'm, um, I've been consistently been a fan of emo before I really kind of knew that that's what it was. Um, uh, Deep Elm Records put out, uh, I think like 12 volumes of, uh, emo, uh, what, what's it called? Uh, I'm gonna have to go find it in my compilations playlist. Um... Uh, yeah, so it's, just, it's Emo Diaries, which they released in 1997 and continued to uh, 2011. Um, so if you're looking for just like a pretty good uh, sampler of Emo throughout the years, I would highly, highly recommend uh, Emo Diaries. Um, there is also, I want to say, a book released recently of like an Emo encyclopedia um, chronicling just sort of like the bands that that made the genre, um, but uh, football etc. is etc. Football etc. Uh, is sort of part of like the emo resurgence movement. I think I don't I don't know that they've been around all that long. Maybe like the last. Um, let's see when did they put out their first album. Uh, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine ish. So like a decade but definitely after the a good chunk of like the the first handful of waves of, of email came through um but they're just like they're a really solidly just fantastic band um i had the option to go see them a couple of years ago up in harrisburg and i did not take it and i've been kicking myself like almost on a like a monthly basis whenever they pop in onto my my itunes shuffle that i was like fuck I should have gone to go see them. Um, so, band members of football, etc., if you're listening to this, please come back to Baltimore or somewhere on the East Coast. Not just for me. I'm sure that there are a lot of other people that, that want to see you live and hear you play. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're just... They are... Again, another band that has a very prominent bass, but it's just like... Really... really emotional stuff not not in a way of like you will be left weeping but it's sort of like it it just it gets deep it cuts deep into you um so i i haven't decided if i'm gonna play any samples of of these bands um i think i I may just throw in like well no i'm i'm gonna leave them um I will I will put the names of the bands and any band camp pages or whatever in in the description, but um, it will be up to y'all to go to go find them. Um, yeah, so that is football, etc. Um, the another band that I'm, I'm I've really really been digging um, is Twelve Hour Turn, uh, which I think that they broke up in two thousand one maybe. Um, but uh, according to a website that I'm, I, I take with a uh, certain level of authority when it comes to like genre bands or band genres, uh, they're described as uh, post-hardcore slash emo uh, with lots of screamed vocals. Not screamed to the point of like screamo, which I will get to in a second, but it's like harsher um, than just singing. Um, Okay, so with football etc., there's not like all of their songs are are fantastic, and there's not, at least for me right now, there's not any ones that sort of like stand out. Um, so I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna let those guys sit for a little bit. Um, for twelve hour turn, there is a part of one particular song that I really really would like to play um, because whenever I hear it, like it does, there is it it reaches this level of like. There's a style of music that I, or a genre of music or a band out there that I wish played just what this, like, part of the song was. And, like, 12 Hour Return gets real, real close. Um, But there's, like, I don't know, there's this band that exists in my head that does stuff exclusively like that. Um, So, this is going to be, um, I don't know, just a handful of seconds, maybe like 10, 15 seconds. Uh, from a song called Manifest Destiny, which is off of... um, What album is that? Sorry, I have my iTunes up, and I'm scrolling through trying to keep pace with the things that I'm talking about. Uh, 12 Hour Return. So Manifest Destiny is off of uh, Perfect Progress, Perfect Destruction, which was released in 2002. Um, So here is a small snippet of uh, Manifest Destiny. And, uh, since I've mentioned it a couple of times, um, the next, uh, two bands that I'd like to mention, um, well, two bands and then a third that exists kind of in the space, but it is their own thing, um, fall under the category of music called, uh, Screamo, which to me is not like the scene Screamo stuff, um, but Screamo a a a la... like Neil Perry, or Walls of Jericho, or uh, Love Lost But Not Forgotten, who should be on this list, but I I will do another one. Um, I might just do ones of like purely emo, purely purely screamo shit, but anyway. um, (coughs) So like screamo that would also be uh, fittingly titled or fittingly called uh, like power violence or emo violence um, because it is uh, the hallmarks of it are usually like grindcore length songs um, with very intense, very heavily distorted music in um, vocals that are like just chaotic and extreme and sound like people are shredding their uh, their throats. So Shiloh would be another another good example of that. Um, I so. I grew up listening to um, well, maybe not grew up part of my growing up was was dedicated to the listening of like particularly heavy bands um, so there are some metal bands that i'm I'm a fan of, and I still remain a fan of, but I always think that I gravitated more towards bands like this and I, I didn't really put that connection together until maybe like earlier this year that when um, I discovered a um, a blog called i think it's sophie's floorboards um which i'll I'll put a link into in the description that does a really really fantastic job of like talking about bands and genreing genreing them and then listing like the complete discography and then like all the links to like their band camp or facebook page or instagram or whatever um but i have through them i have uh discovered a lot of really really fantastic like dark, heavy Screamo bands. Um, Feral Hands would be a good one. Um, I'm not going to keep listing them. Listing them. Um, but two that I came across from there that I have really, really enjoyed are uh, Fox Motor, which is a Canadian band. I want to say they're from Toronto. And <coughs> um, I'm going to have to read this. Uh, Ulubaisia Vetru. Which is a Russian band, and their name translates to "Smile to the Wind." Um, both of them are absolutely fantastic. Uh, "Smile to the Wind" uh, has songs; most of their songs um, are like it's rare for them to have a song that's over two minutes long. Lots of them are like in the forty to fifty-second range. Um, so I'm going to play one of one of those, um, and Fox Mulder is just like which. I appreciate the pun um, of their name is just like crazy fucking heavy and intense. Um, But so I so okay so I will leave it at that for right now. Um, I will play a song from the first song up will be in its entirety because it's only I think like a minute long um, a song from Smile to the Wind um, and then right after that I'll play I'll pick a song from from Fox Mulder and, and throw it up. Um so here are those two And the next band which is fox molder adjacent is respire um, which is a toronto canadian uh, toronto canada based band um which i think self-describe themselves as post everything which is a really really good i think monitor description genre for them um it's very heavy dark screamo stuff um not the not the it's it's more uh ambient and sound tracky to the to the degree of like epicness um not like intense fast in and out songs um but they utilize violin they utilize horns i think it's like a six-piece band um and it works i didn't when i listened to the description of them when i read the description of of the band i didn't think that it was that i would love the music as much as i do but they are absolutely fantastic Um, and I don't, I don't know if I have a song by them in mind that I want to play. Um, but I will, uh, I will find something. Um, so I will, I will play something and then, um, I will, I will come back and let y'all know what it is. So here is a mystery song from Respire. so that was a heart still pines off of their denouement album which was released in uh, this year um so yeah if you get a chance to see these guys live absolutely 100 percent take it um because i've been following them on instagram and they seem to put on a kick-ass fucking show um the next band that i want to talk about uh is a band that i was turned on to rather recently um I don't know how or why. Um I neglected to do that research, but the name of the band is Baba Sonia, and they are amazing. Like I don't I don't think I've listened to something recently um that has made me feel as much different has made me feel as deeply and as, as widely as Baba Sonia has. Um it is fronted by um Rachel Galwell, I believe is her name. I feel bad that I don't uh don't know Galwell, yes, Rachel Galwell and uh, producer Mike uh Constany. Uh, but Rachel plays cello and sings and she is amazing at both of them. Um, I don't like I don't know I don't know what style of music to um, to to call them, um, but um, I really, really would like for y'all to hear uh, enough from an album that they released in two thousand eighteen called uh, Nadilla, Nadilla, N A D I L A. I apologize. It's been a long day, um, but yes, I. Um, it's it's just it's great. Listen to it. Call them what you want, but go check out and go buy all of their music because it is 100% worth it. So, here is enough.
1: It's not a coincidence that I only started bonding with my cousin when she came back from the. something
0: Okay, Uh, the next band, I guess maybe the next three bands that I want to talk about um, are, uh, I guess would all kind of fall under the math rock umbrella, but I'm not entirely sure if that's the best genre title for them. Um, It is, there are two Japanese bands and a Malaysian band, Um, although I think I want to say that they're Malaysian, I won't get that wrong. let's see they are oh sorry philippines they're a Filipino band i apologize guys um but so i guess tide edit um is is the name of that band um one of the japanese bands is low pass and the other one is uh joko joko i think would be one of the the ones that i'm not entirely sure if they would like if they really fall under the the math rock umbrella um because they they're like they're much spacier than that, um, and maybe they feel a little more experimental. Um, but low pass and tight edit kind of like or would I would say probably fall right in into that. Um, both remind me a whole lot of toe with maybe a little more rock and a little less jazz. Um, but similar to football etc. There's not a um, there's not really like a song by any of them that really stands out to me but um just go like go find them and listen to them Tide edit just released a new album which is fantastic um joko uh the song that comes to mind but i will probably not play um is uh, i think it's family from their 2016 album A Prayer in Vain. Because um, that's usually what pops up for whatever reason it usually is the song that comes that happens first on my iTunes shuffle. Um <coughs> But they're just both of them are just are amazing. Or all three of them are amazing and are are worth um worth listening to. And like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the at least the band camp or the like a place where you can listen to them. Um on in the description of this of this episode um and the last band that i that i have to talk about i guess more of a musician um so on there are a couple of jazz musicians that i that i listen to or i guess a couple of albums that i listen to um that i am unsure of what the genre is um So the the albums I'm thinking of are uh, The Way Up by Pat Metheny, which is one of my all-time favorite albums um, to date. Um, The stuff that Darcy, the uh, Darcy James argues Secret Society does. um, And The Thompson Fields by the Maria uh, Schneider Orchestra. So in my mind, they could... The workable genres for those would be, like, orchestral jazz or, like, neo-big band, maybe. Um, but on—maybe uh, a week or two ago on Reddit, I went into the, the jazz subreddit and just posted—just uh, just to ask people. It was like, hey— These are some bands, or these are some albums that I really love. I don't know what the genre of these are, or what you would consider the genre of these. um, But does anybody know any any other musicians or any other albums that would fit this bill? Um, And somebody responded with a couple of albums by Kenny Wheeler, who is a um, Canadian horn player, Um, and they suggested uh, music for large and small ensembles. And I found myself, um, or maybe, no, I think that they, they may have also mentioned uh, The Long Waiting, uh, the first of which was released in 1990, and the second was in 2012. Um, <coughs> and that Redditor was 100% correct. Though, like, these albums fit that music music uh, niche for me. Um, there was also a handful of other... Um, other uh what's the word suggestions that some other redditors made so i'll I'll find the thread and i'll, I'll post the link to it uh just so if anyone else is curious about finding uh, more jazz albums like this um but there's something about like i don't know the i'm not a big fan of like big band jazz i guess like early 19 and like the 50s and 40s big band stuff um because it feels more like popular music or I guess more like dance music um, as opposed to like like bop or um, like the modal jazz that Miles Davis was doing and like Coltrane was up to which feel more like jazz theory performance based. Like really digging into the even though even though they're doing standards and stuff, but digging into sort of like the musicality behind that um, so one of the things that I really enjoyed about uh, like the way up or the Thompson fields is or even like the Darcy James argues secret society stuff um, is the the amount of space and the amount of musical intricacy that a larger band gives you, but still the like the adherence to I guess the the more like the jazz of it. In um, Kenny Wheeler, his his solo album, quote unquote solo album, the music for large and small ensembles, and the his Kenny Wheeler Big Man that that did the Long Waiting, or like they nail it. They occupy that space between. The like the big band and, and the the more, I guess, like jazz jazz stuff so perfectly. And it's just there is a there is a mood and a state of mind and a, a slew of emotions that listening to jazz makes me feel that no other music does. I don't know what it is. I think it's heavily tinged in some sort of like nostalgia for maybe zeitgeists not necessarily for times themselves because i know that like that's it's really dangerous to to look back at times and be like oh i wish it was like that again because that i feel in lots of ways um completely diminishes the hardships for the rest of the people that are around um like the whole make america great again like it was never great for everybody like regardless of whatever time period you return to there's always going to be people that are you know like being taken advantage of and being marginalized and you know just you know just not not allowed to have a space or a voice in in whatever society whatever society at the time um so i don't think that it's nostalgia for specific time periods but it might be more nostalgia for like i guess the ideas of the time periods or for possible like alternate versions of things um that like when i listen to jazz i often i more often than not find myself sort of imagining into weird like other possibilities or other realities or you know like making mental trips into worlds that cannot exist but feel like they maybe or worlds that do not exist but feel like maybe they could somewhere on the the edges or the the periphery or you know it's like an, uh some handful of degrees of frequency away from the world that we're living in right now um, and kenny wheeler does that to a big big degree um, and again like some, for some of the other bands there's not really, uh, songs right now that stand out a lot to me. Um, partially because I haven't listened to, um, I've been, this is a very, very new, um, a new favorite of mine. So I haven't listened to it a whole lot, but it's just like, I would, those two albums in particular, I would highly recommend going to go grab. Um, I made a cake yesterday to it. Um, and it was, it was lovely, like it felt like i don't know, okay, so maybe maybe not nostalgia for different time periods, but maybe nostalgia for like different versions of my life that i've imagined when I was younger, um, or like that there is a that there is a some version of my life that exists a frequency or two away that i'm I'm tapping into just a little bit um. But I, uh, I think that's going to be it. This wound up... <coughs> 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 Sorry about that. Um, this wound up being a little bit longer than I expected. Um, it's clocking in at around two hours right now, and I haven't put any of the songs in. Um, but um, I'm hoping that it wasn't too rambly. I know that there are some some spots that uh, it took me a little bit to, to hone in on what it was that I was trying to say. Um, but thank you for for those who stuck with it thank you for indulging me uh talking about music um it is one of the two kind of like primary um sources of renewal for me i think although like like listening to music listening and writing music and then listening to and writing music and reading and writing poetry and just like literature in general are the, the two, two of the primary sources of, of how I recharge and how I, how I kind of renew my, my internal life. Um, but I think that music edges out the, the writing um, and edges out the literature just because it's... I don't know, it feels more immediate to me. It feels like um, sort of the difference between watching a film... That hits you hard, and a, a play that hits you hard. Like there's something more immediate and more present and more um, more pressing about theater, I think, than film. There's there's something about like just that being in that space and being just the way that it acts on you. And I feel similar to a similar distinction between. <coughs> How music and how how literature act on me. That music is a, is a much more immediate, much more. Um, I don't know. I think I think because a lot of the stuff that I listen to doesn't have lyrics, or if it does, it's lyrics that are in other language, um, which, since I don't speak it, allow the the vocals and the lyrics to kind of become just part of the music. Um, I think it's easier for it to slip in and for it to do the work that it needs to do and I, it can it can be something that I just experience and I don't have to do a whole lot of I don't have to do a whole lot of work to experience I can just let myself be in a state of, of quiet and of, of clearness of of mind and, and the inside and just let the music come in and fill me up and, and do whatever work that it, that it has to do um uh, but yeah i i if this if this gets some plays or if this drums up any interest um i might i might actually do an, a, a full-on episode with just of just emo and a full-on one of just screamo because um, there are definitely some bands that i that i mentioned when i was talking about screamo like fucking love lost but not forgotten that if people don't know about definitely deserve to know about um And also, um, you know, to do a little bit of of the the research and the the history and the chronology of, like, this is what I mean when I say emo and screamo, and this is what I think a lot of people think of when they hear the term, like, emo and screamo. Um, Because I feel like in a lot of ways, at least for those in particular, um, are often used as, like, insults. when it comes to music or it's a style of music that a lot of people like look down on um, and when it's when used in conjunction with the bands that I think that the term actually fits with I like like I would be if I played that that style of music and someone like if I played music like Fox Mulder and somebody came up to me and said that they loved you know like they, if they called that band Screamo I would be fucking honored um but uh yeah oh um speaking of that I am actually I might I might the um, there's an emo screamo subreddit that's really really phenomenal when it comes to like tracking down um and just bringing bands to people's attention um I've sa- I found some really good stuff on there too so I'll, I'll probably add them in the description as well um but I think that's going to do it for uh, episode 11 uh I have um Stanford uh, Chung, who is a Canadian poet, um, who actually I just recently published. That's the reason I went up to Toronto for a book launch. Um, I just recently published him uh, through Akinago Press. Uh, I believe will be my next guest. Um, it should That episode should be up sometime in, like, not next week, but the week after. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I think it's going to be a really fantastic conversation, specifically or at least in no small part due to the fact that he is also a poet musician. So there's, I think this is potentially a good a good primer that there's lots of things that I've been thinking about in relationship with poetry and music that I'm excited to, to talk to him about. Um, but uh, yeah, as always, thank you everyone who's, who's been listening. I've been tracking the, the listenership um, and have been getting some plays for some really cool places. So um, thank you. Whoever you are out there in the world who, who finds this at least hopefully edifying or if not, at least entertaining. Um, getting I hope you're getting something from it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll talk to y'all next time.